0: The following is a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org. Hi, everybody. How are you doing? It's really good to see you. Uh, Don, Graham's dad, was actually supposed to give the message, but we found out last week that he couldn't uh, because of a few different things. So here I am. And if you don't recognize me, usually I'm the guy standing right about here. The only difference is I have this guitar on, and I have more of a strained look on my face. <laughs> uh, but I really am uh, excited to be here, and, and thanks so much for coming out. I figured since I'm the worship guy, I would give you a couple insights, uh, things that I've learned over the past few years. I've been leading worship for a while now, almost 10 years, actually. Uh, I started off in my dad's church, but uh, when I was about 18. Yes, I'm a pastor's kid, so my dad's a pastor in New York. I grew up in Long Island, Long Island, and then, um, so I, I did all my undergrad there, and, and then I moved to Virginia, and I uh, did my uh, seminary degree there at Liberty Theological Seminary. So my dad's church is non-denominational. Liberty is uh, Southern Baptist. I've been exposed to Catholicism and, um, of course, Pres- Presbyterianism. So I've really noticed there's all kinds <laughs> and styles of worship, uh, but did you know, actually, that there's different levels of, of worship signals. I don't know if you, you know this, but um, so let me tell you, if you're a newbie, you probably start off right here, right? So the song's going and you like it. So this is called the elbow flap. you I mean, just right here, right? And let's say um, you're feeling it. You want to move up a little bit, carry the TV, carry the TV, go widescreen, go widescreen. You want to step up even more, kind of go to the intermediate level. My fish was this big. My fish was this big, hold my baby. This is really popular, (laughs) hold my baby. Then you've got, you want to go up a little more, this is what you call dueling light bulbs. (laughs) Popular. Now this, goalposts, you see this a lot. Goalposts, throwing some heartburn. Heartburn. The next version, you have three versions for it. Three versions, you have pointer, hatchet, and classroom. (laughs) Pointer, hatchet, classroom. I kind of like this one myself. Now, And if you want to go to the expert, I mean expert, pro level, Three versions again. Village people, Rocky, and Touchdown. Village people, Rocky, and Touchdown, right? So you see that? All right. So now you know. You kind of... So think about where you're at and where God's really calling you to go. Okay, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> so we're, um, we're on this series on hearing God's voice, and, and the question I want to ask you then is, is, do you want to hear God's voice? Um, or is it something you ask... And, and say because it sounds like a good spiritual thing to ask for. I think we all know the scripture, Jeremiah 29, verse 11, right? It says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. You know, it's bumper stickers and plaques in people's homes. I think we all believe that part about the plans, right? But God, if you can kind of just share the plan with me a little more, a little more insight, that'd be helpful, So what would you do if you heard God's voice? What would you do if you didn't hear God's voice? Watch this video with me. Everything I have just seems to highlight the fact that none of it makes me feel happy. Either I don't know you that well, or you just don't offer what I thought you did. But I don't feel very in love with you, and I don't feel very loved. I pray for things that seem reasonable, but nothing happens. What is it about me? Could it be that my sins, or maybe my depression, has built a wall that you can't get through? Are they more powerful than you? Why doesn't your joy reach down to me? I thought you were all-powerful. To me and my life, I'm sorry, but you're powerless. You ever feel like that guy Where, where you just can't seem... To sense God's presence is leading at all. And, and you're praying for things, uh, not, not crazy things, not like let me win the lottery or, or, or give me that million dollar idea or even I need a pay raise. It just just basic needs that we all have, a sense of identity, uh, a sense of peace, maybe to be inspired again, maybe to be creative once more. And you see, we all have this longing to know God on, on, on some level and to be connected to him. You ever wonder why? Like we're meaning-oriented creatures. Everything we do, we have to apply some version of meaning to it. And God actually created us with these longings, these intrinsic cravings, as it, as it were. And these longings actually move us towards God. And in the same way we have basic physical needs, the need to, to eat and to drink and to breathe. When you're hungry, eventually you're going to go and find something to eat, and when you're thirsty, you will find something to quench your thirst, and eventually you start to suffocate when you don't get the oxygen that you need. And the physical, the, the determination we have to, to meet those needs, I believe, is even deeper and more powerful when we start to listen to our soul. Our souls are actually driven to God, uh, but I wonder if we remember that. I wonder if we know that. Are we, are we listening for God, or or are we just playing a role? Are we kind of acting uh, and performing for him? And, and one hand is living with God, and the other is living without him. Um, when I was growing up, uh, I'm the eldest of three, by the way, so I have two younger sisters. And my, my middle sister, Crystal, she's a bit of a tomboy, So and I push, she'd, she'd push right back. But being the eldest, I kind of had the advantage to get, getting things going my way. I was a little smarter than they were at the time. So um, we had this thing at breakfast, and my dad was all about eating together. So we would eat breakfast together uh, at the table, and Crystal and I would fight over the orange. We loved orange juice, so we'd fight over it. And, and it got kind of bad, especially at the end when there was just enough left for one, for one drink in the container, right? And my mom, being the wonderful fair mother she was, she'd say, um, you have to split it. One of you can pour, and one of you will choose. So being the older sibling and the loving brother I was, I'd I'd get like this tall skinny glass for her and then like this wide fat one for me, you know? And I'd pour more in the tall skinny glass. And and she didn't understand what was happening, so of course she'd choose that, and I'd walk away with a lot more orange juice. Um, (laughs) As time went on, she got a little smarter, so I didn't have that edge on her anymore. So she would insist on, you know, the same thickness, same height, same level. So, you know, and so I was forced to, to pour it evenly, so she'd pick it, and you sure? Yeah, I'm sticking to my gun. So she picks it, and, um, and then she walks away with her glass, and then, and then I would take mine, and then turn around and pour the rest of the orange juice into, <laughs> into the glass. And see, she, <laughs> she didn't know that, that I was hiding in there. So there's more to the reality that we live in than what we see. And I think this is the way we play with God. We put everything we have, right, in this transparent glass. God, This is what I'm going through right now. This is what I um, hear my dreams and my hopes. I need you. I need your your direction. But we leave some in the container, hoping he can't see that we're going to pour that in a little later. I want to spend some time in Ecclesiastes today, as Richard mentioned, and I definitely want to echo what he said. If you haven't read Ecclesiastes, it's a great book, kind of depressing, but um, it's raw and it's real. So it's the Solomon's writing, and Solomon was considered the wisest man on the earth. I I can't even understand that. Uh, Verse 1, Ecclesiastes 5 verse 1. It says this, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. Verse 1 again. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than offer the sacrifice of fools. What is he talking about? I think Solomon's telling us if we're on this journey, uh, this this search for meaning in life and you think that religion or f- your faith or your spirituality is actually going to connect you to God, you're wrong. It's going to leave you empty. You're going to be greatly disappointed. Religion and faith can leave you really empty. So he gives us a few cautions. If you want to find meaning in your faith, you need to make sure then that you're not performing for God. You need to make sure you're not going through just the rituals and the routines, as so often we do. We're creatures of habit. It's so easy to fall into that. See, so when you come before God, you need, you need to have a certain kind of posture, and if you're coming to God and offering the sacrifice of a fool, which, of course, I know none of us wake up in the morning and say, you know, today I think I'm going to try out the sacrifice of a fool. That sounds like a good thing to do. But what he's saying is don't, think, don't make the foolish decision that some ritual or some, some routine, some religious activity is actually going to connect you to him. That, that's the sacrifice of a fool. The sacrifice of a fool is playing God with one hand and living in a godless manner in the other and thinking somehow that God's not going to see what's really inside of your soul. It's pouring into the clear glass what you have and keeping the reality in the container. So why do we do this? Thinking somehow that God um, wants us to perform. I think the truth is we all struggle with performance. Life is a performance. Doesn't it feel like that sometimes? If you're a doctor or a plumber or an electrician, a teacher, you're no less a performer than than George Clooney or, or or Angelina Jolie, who are both great actors. But anyway, you know that thing called a performance review. When your boss calls you into the office, what are they doing? They're rating your performance. When when uh, the the people around you, your employees, or the, the if you're the employer, the expectations that people have for you, you're performing. Um. Dating is a lot of dating is a performance, especially in the beginning. Right, first date is kind of like grand opening night. You got you got to do everything right. You got to wear the right things. You got to say the right things. You got to be the guy that goes on the date at least twice. If you're on a date once, there's something wrong. <laughs> but we do everything to control the way we look, the way, what we say, so that we can be accepted. And 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 intimacy. You know what intimacy is. It's It's every time you move to a new phase, you realize you don't have to perform as much as you did the time before. And eventually, if you can risk it, you move from performance into a place of authenticity, a place that is real, where you stop performing and you come just as who you are. And I know that rarely happens in life. So it's no wonder we live in a world where where the culture that we've built relies on performance. We, we thrive on it. And even this morning here, I, I wish I can tell you, it's just kind of, you know, stream of consciousness, and I'm just sharing whatever's coming to me. No, I practiced. I am performing. Cameron and, and the Cameron and the band, they practiced. And here comes God who says, stop performing and come to me as you are. Don't bring the sacrifice of a fool. Come and come and listen. And I, I know that's hard, but the I want to remind you this morning, we don't need to perform for God because he knows you and I better than we know ourselves. And I know that's a hard thing to wrap our minds around. Jeremiah 1 verse 5, before you were in the womb, I knew you. You know that? God set you apart before before you were born. So I can only imagine God's laughing at us when we try to fake it with him. And all we're really doing is setting up these roadblocks, these, these filters that, that make it more difficult for us to distinguish his leading. And his voice just turns into another one of the voices that's trying to reach us. And when Christ died on the cross, he died so we don't have to be perfect. God sees his son's sacrifice over each of our lives. So when we fall down and we fail at something or we do something, forgiveness is in the same space you fell. And it's in the same space when you recognize that it, it's the birthplace for God's new mercy and God's grace and God's wisdom in your life. We need to uh, believe that and move on. There's no need to, to look back and let, let guilt and let shame influence our lives and our future decisions. So many of us walk around literally shackled by what we think is not good, by what we think is not forgivable, by what we think is not right. And honestly, guys, when it comes to right and wrong, it's it's not about you and I. It's about God. And when it comes to giving grace, when it comes to accepting forgiveness, we have to believe in God. And we have to believe it and then just move on. Your life will blossom so much more. And you gain a certain momentum in your life that you'll find people want to pull in on it and just be around you and be part of what you're doing. Because you'll you'll find more creativity and more influence and more security when you actually lean forward and believe the promises that God has put before you and live in that. When you stop worrying about the past and and you live now. I know being authentic can be really difficult um, because the fact is you're making yourself vulnerable, right? And we don't like to feel vulnerable. We like to feel like we're in control. Um, But if you want it, be in a space that you can sense God. You need to be authentic with Him. You need to be real with yourself. And uh, on that authenticity, what I'm really talking about is integrity. And integrity is this interesting thing it's this sort of inside out compass for your life, right? Where what you find on the outside is what you'll also find on the inside. And <laughs> we're not very good at that, are we? And even in our communication, there's so many layers of meaning to what we actually are saying. But everything God creates has integrity, right? And that's why I have these bananas here. Seriously. I'm not kidding. So, uh, human me for a second. Have you ever gone to the store and bought a banana? Yeah? Hopefully. Fruits are good for you. <clears throat> but I'm here to tell you, you actually didn't buy a banana. What you bought was a banana peel. And you knew that there's a banana inside, right? Hopefully. I don't think any of us bought a banana going home and just driving home. God, I I hope, I hope, I hope there's a banana inside of my banana peel, (laughs) right? (laughs) Uh, Because everything God creates has integrity. What is on the outside is what you'll find on the inside. So just to let you guys know and make sure you don't think this is magic, I brought a a couple bananas I'm going to throw out. We need some banana experts, just one on each side, the last group, I almost made banana pudding by throwing it too far. So I'm going to throw it a little closer. Seriously, I'm going to throw one. Here we go. Somebody catch it. <laughs> here we go, this side. Somebody catch it. <laughs> okay. So those are our um, banana experts. So, so go ahead and uh, just do me a favor and open up that banana. Now, I, is, are any of you skeptical that you're going to not find a banana in there? No, right? I'll open mine up just so you see. I had trouble last service, too. Okay. Here we go. Banana, right? You got a banana? Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Now you're thinking, okay, that's a banana. That's not true for everything. What about like a watermelon? I was going to bring one on stage, but I thought that might be <clears throat> a little much. Now, how do you buy a watermelon, by the way? You thump on it, and what do you listen for? I'm ripe, I'm ripe. Eat me. No, hollow, right? Um, and just a side note, we're relatively intelligent human beings. Uh, we spend our hard-earned money on something where we thump on it and it's empty. We buy it. Kind of a... I don't know. Anyway, what what God wants to do really is make us inside out people. What is on the outside will be truthful to what's on the inside. Is that true for you? Is that true for me? Where who we are as people is more defined by what's on the inside than on the outside. Where who we are as people is more defined by the inside than the outside. Our... Society doesn't really affirm that <clears throat> or scream that, does it? I know it's, exhaust- it's exhausting to put on a face every time you see somebody. Eventually, that's going to catch up with you, and it usually comes out of the worst moments. Uh, the, our society, w- the culture that we've built, it, it, we, we say the outside defines you, right? We, unfortunately, I, unfortunately, many times, have defined somebody by the outside stuff. You know how you can... Uh, really discover what's inside of you, really discover what's inside of people, it's when they have any monicum of power, any position of authority. And how you use power is, is really your, the greatest revealer of what's inside of you and I, your genuine integrity. And what the scriptures tell us is that integrity is actually only developed through Humility. In Numbers 12, it talks about Moses. Now, you all know Moses. I mean, one of the most influential leaders in history in the Bible. Do you, do you remember how he's described? It says he was the most humble man on the face of the earth. Now, here's a man who was extremely influential, uh, one of the greatest leaders, and what attribute, what characteristic was God going to build all of his talent all of his intellect everything else on it was his humility not through position not through prestige not through education not through skill not through his looks but his through his humility in our world today we we don't really affirm humility do we we affirm talent we're a, we're a resume culture we're an American idol culture and the thing about humility is it Humility actually develops integrity. And then integrity, when it's, it's really welling up inside of you, it, it unleashes this sense of uh, courage in your life. And, and if you read the Bible quickly, it, it'll sound like most of these guys in here are real courageous people. If you read it slowly, you'll realize they're actually a bunch of cowards. They're all praying for courage. The same things we pray for. And Joshua, God tells, God tells Joshua, be strong and have good courage. And Acts, when, when they're praying, they're begging God for courage. Why do you pray for courage? It's because you don't have it. If you have air, you don't pray for ear, right? If you have a wife, you're not supposed to be praying for a wife, hopefully. You pray for what you don't have. And these stories in the Bible, time after time, they ask for courage. Now, the thing with courage is, courage is not the absence of fear. It's the absence of self. There's a difference. If you're not fearful, you're probably stupid. When when you begin to realize you're part of a bigger story, uh, God's story, you start to live your life in a different way. All of a sudden, you start to act as a courageous human being. Police officers and firefighters are a perfect example. When a firefighter goes into a burning building, they're not worried about themselves. They're not worried about getting burnt. They're worried about something bigger than them. It's saving lives. When, when you begin to live a life of humility, out of humility comes integrity, out of integrity comes courage. And the humility thing is kind of funny, because if you say you're humble, you're definitely not humble. And, and if you're thinking about being humble, you're probably going the wrong direction. So <laughs> you, can't, you can't focus on the characteristic. But when you realize that, that your story is, is actually connected to God's story, and it's so much larger than you, your priorities start to adjust. All of a sudden, your eyes and your ears are tuned differently. And you start to sense God, trust me, you will sense his presence and his direction in your life. When, when you stop performing and you live for something that's bigger than yourself, when you realize and you know in your heart that you play an inextricable role in God's story, your whole attitude changes. I, I wonder this morning if some of you are actually here and you're performing. You're here because it's what you do. Maybe you're here to get God on your side or get God off your back. And perhaps religion has been a performance for you your whole life, and, and, and you're still empty inside. Have you ever come with just your authentic self? Can you say that you have? And, and, and maybe you don't know what to do, but you can come and say, God, look, I don't know. I, I'm just here, and I know I need you. There's a verse that has been part of, traveled with me over the years, um, especially when I'm not sure what's happening. In Chronicles 20, verse 12, it says, We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. So when you come and listen, and you let God meet you where you really are, it's in the space of authenticity, of of humility, of courage that that you will find and, and and sense God in an undeniable way and His truth in your life. There's something incredible, really incredible, moving into a relationship from from performing to being real and authentic. There's something incredible about moving into a relationship with God. From performance to an authentic space with him. And and, and if you're uh, here to perform, you're going to leave empty. The irony is there may be somebody sitting next to you this morning that's having an entirely different experience than you are. Because if you're here and you know the unconditional, the unfailing love of God, if if you want to know the unconditional, unfailing love of God, it will be an extraordinary experience your entire life. We see, we all have this longing in our soul to, to, to be connected, to, um, to, to reach out to other people and to connect with God. We're creatures of meaning. Uh, we're like these meaning-oriented creatures. Everything we do, meaning, meaning, meaning. Uh, and creatures of intention. So when we come to God, we need to come and listen. Uh, he knows my life better than I know mine. He knows yours better than he knows, than you know yours. So when we go and we, we rattle off this, this laundry list, right? And it's like, God, this, this, and this, and I pray for this, and we get in the car, amen, and go, where is the space that God can speak to you in? We've been taught so well to multitask. We've built a culture in a space that requires multitasking. Uh, and we feel like we're missing out on things if we don't. We feel like we have to play catch-up if, if we just pause for a second. Come and listen. Do not offer the sacrifice of a fool. That's what Solomon is saying. No filters, no roadblocks, just you and God. and and believe that his promises are true, that you are good enough, and you're way past good enough. Uh, When you're in that space, I I, I know God meets you there. He's met me there, and you will sense his undeniable presence in your life. Let's pray together. God, I pray that you're... uh, that your presence would be undeniable in this place, undeniable in our lives and in our hearts and our souls, that you would that you would teach us to come and, and listen just as we are, remind us that we 're your daughters and your sons, and would you give us the the, the courage and the humility to believe that it 's actually okay to come with our real selves we long to be connected we We have this craving for meaning in our lives, Lord, and remind us that real meaning comes from you, only you. Not from our activities, not from our rituals, not from our routines, just you. So we come and we listen and we thank you, God, for what you've promised. We want to stand on that, Lord, and live fully alive, fully awake, full of meaning, so much, Lord, that we have to share it with other people. that we have to be part of your story, the only story that lasts forever. I pray this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks, guys, for letting me share this morning. This has been a presentation of Highlands Church, helping dechurched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org.